0: Uh, Leviticus 19 is an interesting chapter of the Bible. If you look at it, every few verses says, I am the Lord at the end of the every like two or three verses, it says, I am the Lord. And what that does is it it builds the few verses that are sandwiched in between the I am the Lord statements into one unit. Uh, And verse two says to be holy as God is holy. So these units of of Leviticus 19 are ways that God tells the people of Israel to be holy as he is holy. And this means that verse 17 to 18 isn't a scattering of random commandments all jammed in together, trying to squish random things together. It means that they're one unit and it's essentially one command with four layers to it. And it's a way to be holy. Uh, and this little 2 passage commandment is God's way of stopping negative feelings towards a brother or sister fester in your heart. So let's explore the four layers of this one commandment. Layer number one says you shall not hate your brother in your heart uh, now we don 't like to say that we hate someone uh, i don 't hate him, I just strongly dislike him uh, well that 's what that 's what hatred means it 's to intensely dislike somebody or to strongly dislike somebody now, if you take the one another and the daily exhortation commands of the New Testament seriously as you should, then there are going to be times when you will hurt one another and are hurt by one another, where you will offend one another and be offended by one another, when you will upset one another and be upset by one another, and you will sin against one another and be sinned against by one another as well. This is something that is assumed in the Bible. It shouldn't come as a surprise. We lament the fact, but we shouldn't be shocked by the fact. We are forgiven sinners who are all works in progress. Now, there's going to be the temptation in those moments of hurt to allow our feelings towards one another to develop into hatred or strong dislike towards each other. That's because your flesh and my flesh doesn't produce good things. It still produces all the bad things. Your flesh loves to hate God here in this passage tells the people of Israel in those moments of hurt not to hate. God knows the human heart. God knows the fragility of human relationships. So what are we supposed to do instead of hating each other when we are wronged by each other? Well, the answer in these verses is very interesting. So we get to level two, level one, don't hate your brother. Level two, but you shall reason or rebuke frankly with your neighbor lest you incur sin because of him or lest you share in his guilt. God's answer is this, instead of hating him, speak frankly to him about the wrong that's been done. This verse is a command to correct, to rebuke, to speak directly and face to face. This might not be what nice people do, but it's what kind people do. Being nice means you'll be polite and do what is pleasing or agreeable, which means you won't confront sin. You'll pretend you're okay when actually you're deeply offended or hurt. You'll quietly get on with it all with fake smiles and greetings, but you're never commanded to be nice in scripture. Being kind, however, means you will care and do what is helpful and loving. And kindness is a command of God. Instead of harboring ill feelings, God states here that open communication with the one who has wronged you is the way of holiness. Love does cover a multitude of sins. But as Matthew Henry says, love covers sin from others, but not from the sinner himself. Love also speaks the truth in love. It was Charles Dickens who created the saying, least said, soonest mended, not Jehovah God. Least said, soonest mended, according to this verse, is sometimes the way of hate and not the way of love. It might be nice, but it isn't kind. So, if your brother has offended you, if your brother is at fault in some way, and if your brother is in sin, what should you do? This passage says that instead of harboring that against him until it becomes hatred towards him, you should speak to him. This passage explains that hatred would lead to you not speaking to him about it, but love would lead to you speaking to him. There are times where you must, through calm and kind reason, bring your brother to a sense of his fault, his offense, or his sin. Friendly reproof is a duty that we owe to one another, and we ought both to give it and take it in love. Proverbs 27, verse five to six, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wins from a friend can be trusted. Matthew 18, verse 15 to 17, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they'll listen to you, you've won them. If they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. Luke 17, verse three, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Galatians 6.1, brothers and sisters, if someone's caught in a sin, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently. Psalm 141 verse five, let a righteous man strike me. That is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. That is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it. You're culpable if you don't rebuke while watching your brother sin. But also, as Matthew Henry says, We must not conceive a secret grudge against him and estrange ourselves from him, speaking to him neither bad nor good. We must rather give vent to our resentments with the meekness of wisdom, endeavouring to convince our brother of the injury, reason the case fairly with him, and so seek to put an end to it. Level three. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people. Sadly, there are two extremes with all of this. Extreme one, we do speak, but we don't speak with kindness. We don't speak with the intention of helping our brother see his fault and giving him space to repent. We speak to vent, we speak to hurt, and we speak selfishly. Extreme two, we don't speak. We try to be nice, but we become bitter. The relationship becomes fractured. We bear a grudge against them. It changes how we see them. It changes how we interpret everything they do and say. We may even speak to others about it instead of them. Grudge bearing and vengeance is the natural consequence of harboring ill feelings. These verses state that, that if we aren't going to speak candidly with our brother in love, then what's going to happen in verse 17 and 18 is hatred, which leads to grudge bearing and vengeance. This means that personal offenses must be rectified and you must do your part to rectify it. The repression of reproof aggravates hatred. The repression of reproof aggravates hatred. The cowardly concealment of how we've been wronged springs into a bitterness that spreads into our hearts until every sight and thought of the one who has wronged us becomes one of utter dislike. This is the least sad, soonest mended approach. Nothing gets mended. The relationship remains fractured. Our brother remains in his fault. And this is where being nice instead of being kind and biblical takes us to brokenness. The cowardly and nice way is to not speak while remaining bitter, holding a long lasting grudge and perhaps even telling others. The courageous and the holy way, the way of kindness is to speak to quietly confront in love. Level four, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you had bird poo on your shoulder, wouldn't you want to be told? If you were about to accidentally drink poison, wouldn't you want someone to tell you? If you're about to fall down a manhole, which I nearly did in North Africa, wouldn't you want to be warned? Love would speak up in those moments. Kindness would talk. Hatred would stay silent niceness would hate to offend or to embarrass so in the scenarios of your brother's foolishness or his wrongdoing or his offense and or his sin love him and be kind to him by speaking to him stop holding silent grudges stop continuing in your fractured relationships stop not saying anything to your brother about your brother's sins faults and offense stop being nice Speak to him in love. Speak to him, seek in reconciliation. Speak to him, seek in his good. Be kind and speak to him. And if he repents, says Jesus, forgive him as you have been forgiven, says Paul. Summary, or the concluded all off it says, I am the Lord. This isn't so that we will be the people of God. This isn't so that God will love us. We do this because we're the people of God. We do this because he loves us in Christ. This is how the people of God should live with each other. Now, why on earth would I choose to go to a passage like this for a devotional for a members' meeting, especially my last one? And here's why because sometimes it's easy to speak in the flesh in a meeting like this, it can be tempting in this type of meeting, to allow your anger, your grudge, your bitterness, your hurt, to rise up and cause you to speak the way a Christian ought not to speak. And you would not be loving your brother in that moment. So determine in your heart, before we begin the meeting proper tonight, to love as a Christian and to speak as a Christian and to restrain your flesh as a Christian. But also determine this, instead of continuing the grudge, instead of that constant battle of the flesh against that brother, instead of being satisfied with a fractured relationship, instead of being nice, that you will seek him out in these next days or weeks and talk to him face to face because you love him and want there to be true Christian love between you because you want to be kind. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he refuses to see it and refuses to repent of it, don't hate him, hand it over to God and seek to love the one who would despitefully use you. Now, all of this is hard, to be kind instead of nice, to rebuke instead of carrying in bitterness, to forgive without bitterness if he does repent, and to love without bitterness if he refuses to repent. But God has spoken. He is the Lord. He will help you. You're not left to your own strength in this. Amen.